Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. Greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He's Aaron McIntyre, of course. You are you. We have a jam-packed show lined up for you today. We've got Buy, Siller Hold beginning here at the bottom of the hour. That's when you and the audience take control of the topics that we will be addressing and talking about. We'll be joined as well later today by the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation himself, the one and only Daniel Horowitz will be joining us. And one of the traditions we have here on the show when we get a brand new partner is we want to give them special treatment to welcome them to the program. And that is the case today with our friends over at Relief Band. It is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband. It's been clinically proven uh, to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea, vomiting associated with, say, motion sickness. So if you're traveling, anxiety, if you've got a big event, um, a big date, uh, maybe it's a speaking engagement, a job review, an interview, etc. Migraines, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. Uh, whether you need everyday nausea relief or just an occasional cure from nausea, the patented technology uh, makes feeling sick a thing of the past. No more nausea pills that are going to make you groggy or exhausted. That doesn't happen with relief bands. So if you want to give it a shout or shot here today, um, what you want to do is go to reliefband.com and use the promo code Steve. That's reliefband.com and use the promo code Steve. Find out why they've got over 100,000 satisfied customers nationwide at Relief reliefband.com promo code steve and with that let's begin as we always do with aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away what happened while we were away brought to you by the key to fighting inflation killing babies joe biden spoke to the democrat national committee this week and tried to encourage democrats to give him a democrat controlled congress once more here's the promise i make to you and the american people The first bill that I will send to the Congress will be to codify Roe v. Wade. He also added whatever this is. The right that I pushed hard and it finally got changed. The married couples in the privacy of their bedroom. Excuse me. I'm thinking about the the Dobbs decision. Biden is set to release another 15 million barrels of oil from the country's strategic reserves. Nancy Pelosi, your thoughts. But in some cases, there's no substitute for experience. And I think that what we have been through with the legislation under the leadership of President Biden, who has done a spectacular job, he's had a better two years than most uh, presidents that you can name, certainly in the recent generations. In Georgia, this was the first question, and I say question in the most loose meaning of the word, in the most recent gubernatorial debate between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. Ms. Abrams, public opinion polls in our state show support for the right to abortion, Medicaid expansion, and banning assault weapons. You are on the side of public opinion in each of these issues, yet you are behind in almost every poll. Why? Abrams went on MSNBC to spew some really demonic crap afterwards. While abortion is an issue, it nowhere reaches the level of interest of voters in terms of the cost of gas, food, bread, milk, things like that. What can a governor, what could you do as governor to alleviate the concerns of Georgia voters about those livability, daily, hourly issues that they're confronted with? But let's be clear. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. 
for women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. And so these are it's important for us to have both and conversations. The newest Trafalgar poll of Arizona shows Republican Carrie Lake clinging to about a three point lead over Democrat Katie Hobbs. That same poll has Democrat Mark Kelly up by one point over Blake Masters. Republican Congressman Dave Schweikert of Arizona was caught on undercover camera recently acting absolutely based. Are we going to be able to defund the FBI? You don't want to defund them. You want to break them up. It's different. But you want to be able to ship out anyone that's pulled. It's not, it's not you can defund the witch hunts, the investigation. Exactly. You can defund the Can you like impeach Chris Ray? Can you get him? Sure. Can you get him gone? Sure. Yeah, so, uh, I am Actually, I, I have a couple other ones I want to so, impeach first. Nyorcas. A bar in Portland, Oregon is set to feature a drag performance from a child this weekend. The child was allegedly mentored by another so-called drag queen who was recently arrested for child sex abuse offenses. Antifa is reportedly organizing security for the event. Tweet from the LGBT Foundation. Happy International Pronoun Day to you, whether you use ze, zem, she, her, they, dem, he, him, they, them, they, fair pronouns or any others. This is just a short list of some example pronouns people may use. You'll never know someone's pronouns until you ask. And finally this. This went down recently at a Denton, Texas City Council meeting. Next is Alex... Alex Stranger. Stranger. There you go. Uh, yeah, I live um, 8001 uh, South I-35 in uh, Austin, Texas. Um, zip code 78744. Listen, um, I'm a recovering fentanyl addict, okay? Um, you know, I've been arrested multiple times in Austin, in Dallas, in Chicago, and I was always let back on the street within hours, okay? With literally no avenues for help, okay? Like, I hit rock bottom when I was performing fellatio on college students for whippets, for crack, for methamphetamine, and for fentanyl, okay? And when I was arrested in the Chipotle bathroom by the manager, Gary, for getting a train ran on me next to the stall by three Oriental taxicans who, by the way, they were not doing my taxes, Mayor, okay? They were definitely doing some trigonometry, if you know what I'm saying, but they were not doing my taxes. And although all of us were using heavily, they were able to convince the cops that it was just me. My b-hole, it hurt so much that I could not argue with the police, okay? It was more damaged than the Capitol on January 6th. Anyway, I'm so thankful for the Denton Police Department for setting me straight and helping me find treatment to get my life back on track so that I no longer live on my knees at some truck stop of grown men like a vacuum cleaner that a hotel maid would use. And I know that sounds random, okay? But they are the best at vacuuming, except for the bedbug-infested motels where I would inject fentanyl and live-stream gay porn. But I'm clean now. And yes, I still do gay porn, but I do it for art instead of for crap, okay, Mayor? And listen, I'm here asking you for a job recommendation to teach elementary school students in Denton ISD, okay? And there'd be no better person to recommend me to this job than the mayor of Denton himself. You know, I used to read stories to the kids all the time as a drag queen when I was using fentanyl and performing fellatio for money, okay? But that had to stop because my HIV got too debilitating that I could no longer work anymore. 
Luckily, my AIDS symptoms are practically gone ever since I got vaccinated for monkeypox and COVID-19. And I want to say that Dr. Fauci, you're a hero, and everybody would be a lot healthier if they followed science just like me. I really look forward to teaching kindergarten in the Denton Independent School District. Thank you for your recommendation, mayor and council. Thank you. <laughs> um, and the that concludes our speakers, open mic speakers. That takes us to our consent agenda. I will. Um, and that's what happened while we were away. In the bathroom at Chipotle with the manager, Gary. <laughs> and I know that sounds random. <laughs> but I'm clean now. I still do gay porn. But, but it's art. for art. It's not for my habit. That. Here's the thing. As freaking hilarious as that was, and as over the top as that was. It's not over the top. It, it, is, it is a literal. Yeah. It is literally what a not insignificant group in this country, politically, is advocating. I mean, it's, it's not, it, 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 it is, is over the top as it sounds to those of you that, you know, are not literal hell spawn. Um, that is a growing characterization and narrative being promoted in this country right now. Verbatim. None of that is an exaggeration. None of it is. None of it. It should be. It should be. But a growing, a growing segment of this society is advocating for that. And they all work in newsrooms in Silicon Valley. And teach in your schools, which is the yes. point he really is trying to make. Correct. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends. Boy, you're probably never more tempted to participate uh, with our friends at My Patriot Supply than you were after watching that. All right, My Patriot Supply. Uh, right now, they want to offer you $250 off their three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. That's the nation's largest preparedness company. Each three-month kit packed with delicious food that includes breakfast, lunches, dinners, even drinks and snacks. The full complement of the 2,000-plus calories that you need a day. All right, so you can um, go there right now. They're not going to put any limit on how many kits that you can order. So don't wait. You can apply this special uh, no matter how much you want to stock up. Uh, MyPatriotSupply.com. Food stays good for over 20 years with proper storage at MyPatriotSupply.com. Let's go to the montage. And because we get new people that join this show, I, I want to make sure that every now and then we reset some things, okay? And that, that maybe certain terms or phrases that you're not accustomed to hearing in like non-explicitly religious programming, and, and so you're not accustomed to hearing such phrases and terms used when just analyzing everyday news. But we use them like every day. And I want to make sure that you understand we don't do so for effect, as Todd likes to put it, rhetorical flourish. Not that we don't do those things ever. I mean, it's an entertainment venue. At times we do do those things. 
but we are soberly using terms like cult, demonic, satanic. We are using terms like that. Clear-eyed, sober-minded. Not for effect. Not to uh, provoke needlessly. Not to illustrate absurdity by being absurd. It's our baseline science, like gravity is. Correct. Our, it is our fundamentals. Correct. It, we are using those terms for the same reason if you walked out and it was overcast and you heard the rumble of thunder and lightning, you would say, it looks like a rainy day. You would just be observing the naturally occurring phenomenon around you and correctly deducing, therefore, the meaning of such phenomenon, what it, what it heralds, what, it, what is coming as a result of what you are observing, what it means. And, and you see this in the, in the top three items in Aaron's montage today. <clears throat> the White House is saying that it would rather deplete our nation's strategic reserves of Petro rather than return to the previous rates of domestic production we had under its predecessor that made us energy independent for the first time in many of our lifetimes. How many things could we point out to debunk their climate cult? L millions. But when you're dealing with cults, objective truth doesn't matter. Their brains are turned off to it. Their foolish hearts are darkened, if not hardened. They cannot receive it. They have been given over to their own depraved minds. Objective truth is their enemy. They will seek to either ignore it, and if that doesn't work, then they will actively attempt to censor and shun it. Because nothing, nothing stands in the way of their narrative. Three weeks from yesterday, we are going to have an election. The people in power are going to lose it badly. They have been in power for the last couple of years. They could have made decisions that would have insulated them to some degree, if not completely, from what is about to occur here. They chose to do none of those things. Nothing. They, they chose nothing. In fact, they honestly told you some of its highest ranked officials went on camera over the last two years and said, now's a great time. 
with 485% inflation. Now's a great time to go out and buy a $60,000 electric car. While the guy who's the most successful EV salesman on planet Earth, Elon Musk, has been clamoring for more oil drilling. There is, there, there was no data. They're acting like, now you're hearing them say things like, well, Democrats, they peaked too early. They never peaked. There was never a peak. It has been looking like this for the entire entirety of this calendar year. There has never been a question that they weren't going to lose this election on its current trajectory. The only question was, how bad would the loss be? Would it be just the House? Would it be the House and the Senate? Would we see states like Nevada and Arizona go from blue to red? There was never any question they were going to lose under the current trajectory. They were just lying to themselves. I don't know what else to tell you. They, they did register voter polling well into September and October, as opposed to likely voter polling. And now all of a sudden that they've all decided, okay, it's two weeks to the election. Let's maybe try to get to some modicum of truth. You know, we're seeing these wide swings where Gretchen Whitmer was up 15 points in their polling two weeks ago, and now it's five. Okay. Because that's how cults behave. I don't want to know the truth. The truth is my enemy. I am an enemy of truth. I have sacrificed my own individual identity and integrity for the groupthink. And then in the end, when your cult doesn't deliver, you end up having two options. You either accept that you are shattered and seek out a worldview or institution that will help put yourself back together again. Or you just hail bop it. Figuratively or literally. Cold harder. That's it. That's how it ends. You see this as well when it comes to abortion. The Biden White House saying yesterday, in two different venues to the DNC, and then their own spokeswoman said this to the press yesterday. That if they had the votes, their number one priority would be codifying the mass murder of children. That would be their number one priority. Codifying the mass murder of children. Well, Steve, they're just, they're just saying that because they're trying to dangle that carrot to their voters. As if that's reassuring somehow. Let's assume you're right, by the way, if you're saying that to me, as some of you have. Let's assume you're right about that. What does it say then about their own voters or their potential voters? That in the midst of economic implosion, national security breaches and crime waves. They would overlook their own economic prosperity and personal safety. Because killing their children matters more to them than that. I'll tell you what it says. Demonic. Satanic. Cult. Those three words I started this little monologue with. That's what it is. The Democratic Party is not a political party. It is one in name only. It is a demonic 
construct. Call it what it is. It's a demonic construct. One of its recent champions said in a debate last night, another video that Aaron played at the beginning of his montage, that killing children we need to do for the boosting of the economy. Remember when we were kids and when Steve Forbes ran for president the first time? And like his answer to every issue was the flat tax. Do you remember that? Sure. And people kind of snickered and stuff at that. That's what they're doing with baby killing. It's the answer to everything. Mm -hmm. You know why? Because to a nihilistic demonic construct, death is the answer to everything. Depopulation is the answer to everything. Why? Because these are doctrines of demons and hell hates you. It seethes at your existence. It gets off orgasmically at our destruction. It hates the fact that we were made in the image of God. It hates the fact that it was cast out and we were created to take its place. It hates that. It hates you. The first manifestation of sin after Genesis 3, what was it? After the fall, what was it? The murder of Cain, Cain's murder of his brother Abel. That's not a coincidence. There the is wages no of sin are death. Thank you. Yeah, what you earn. Yes. There is no greater way to express your level of seething and hatred for another created being than to take its life without reason out of anger, resentment. That's why everything they want to do kills people. Open the prisons, kills more people. Open the borders, kills more people. Codify mass murder of children, kills more people. Jabs for everyone. Jabs for everyone kills more people. Everything. Everything kills more people. Everything does. Climate stuff kills more people. It all does. It's not a coincidence. Because it all comes from below. And if you're voting Democrat, that's what you're voting for. Now, I ain't here to pimp for the Republicans, and I don't give a shit what you think about them. But you got to own your poop. You're voting for a demonic construct. You're not compassionate. You're not tolerant. You're not kind. You're anything but. You're voting for dudes teabagging their hairy sacks on children at public libraries and public schools. You're voting for that. That's what you're for. You're for it. Don't, don't lie to yourself or anybody else. I voted for this group for some other talking point or reason. 
you know, I ran over somebody drunk driving in my vehicle, but I was listening to a really inspirational radio program. uh, And so they let me get away with it. Is that what happened? No, they held me accountable for my action. My affirmative action, pun intended, my affirmative action was I ran over somebody. So therefore, regardless of what I was listening to, regardless of what I thought my intentions were, the fact that I ran over somebody as a drunk driver makes me guilty of vehicular manslaughter, if not homicide, correct? Yes. Yes. If you vote for this, this entity, you are on the hook for this, period. You're affirming it. You can get mad at me all you want. One you should know that has literally like no effect on me at all. I don't care. I'm not like some of the other people in this industry maybe you've run into in the past. If anything, I have to stop myself from provoking you needlessly because I get off on it. I get off on that. That's where my ego is satiated. Cattle prodding you. I got to make sure that I don't do it for my own benefit and not for the not for sola de gloria, but for my own edification. That's my temptation. So you can save all that. I don't care. But if you don't like that truth, it doesn't make it any less true. And it's the fault of the people that you have voted for. It's a death cult. It's a demonic construct. They just say it out loud. They don't even try to hide it. And I don't care what your, what your mama or papa told you Democrats were in the 70s. I don't care. That's what you're voting for, and you need to know that. So since I don't care what you think of me, and I don't care whether we're friends, and we ain't partners, we ain't brothers, and we ain't friends, Eddie Murphy, okay? Like the great prophet Nick Nolte once said in 48 Hours. I'm going to tell you the truth because I don't care what you think of me. If you are a part of this, if you vote for this, you are aiding and abetting a demonic construct, a satanically influenced entity, and a death cult. I just want to make sure we're very clear on that because it's very clear in telling us this. It is very clear in telling us this. Every time it's asked, they tell us this. What am I embellishing? What, what am well, I embellishing here? Specifically, this is the point Pelosi's making. She lies all the time, but what that clip is one of the most truthful things any politician has said recently. She's talking about how successful the last two years have been, more successful in two years than most are in four, certainly compared to Republicans. Stop success about being weighed and measured by your values. Think about hers. She's she's being absolutely honest. This is what they wanted. This has been amazingly successful. And yes, it's all hurting you. That's the point. As Steve said, you're the enemy. They have destroyed because it's been intentional. The lie has always been the point. They want this. Look at that smile on her face. She loves this, even if it comes to this an electoral loss. Because as I've been saying recently, Then here comes this red wave of Republicans, and what will they do, and what will they say? If it's the same thing they said in before, the victory comes all the more the next time, because they gaslight everything, and they call you the worst names. She was the most honest she's ever been right there. That was a religious experience for her. These last two years of everything, that old a bag of bones has been waiting her whole life for. Mm-hmm. She doesn't feel she's at the end. This is her religious culmination. Once y'all watch the movie Nefarious, 
I believe it's going to change the way you see clips like what you're just talking about and and Stacey Abrams. It's going to change the way you see that. You will no longer be shocked. Instead, I believe you will see that as nefarious, literally speaking, demons, literally speaking, through the mouths of their useful idiots. Because that's all that is. That's just the doctrines of demons every single day. Stop being shocked by it. Stop being shocked by it. Doesn't mean it shouldn't prick our conscience, because we actually have consciences. But understand. Understand what we're up against. This is not just stupid, haha, these guys are so dumb. They didn't focus group, uh, you know, uh, abort more babies, kill more babies, murder more babies to save the economy. They didn't focus group that, haha, that's so dumb, that's so funny, haha, they're so stupid, evil. No, this is demonism right in our faces. Amen. That's exactly what it is. That is, ex- that is exactly what it is. And, and I, I understand that we have a tendency to look at these two major parties simultaneously because of their um, duopolistic relationship, their symbiotic relationship, which is why I don't use language like this lightly because I certainly don't want to be you know, a shill for a political party on the other side that just hates me for different reasons. But they've passed the point of no return now that the Republican, your views on them as a party in relationship to this analysis are really irrelevant. They have to be acknowledged for what they are, demonic. Jeremy mentioned that number 485% higher inflation a little while ago. Maybe you thought I was just saying that for effect. No, no, that's that's fact, Jack. Inflation is 485 percent higher now than it was for Donald Trump's final month in office. That's a fact. Latest numbers in September. Inflation 485 percent higher than it was the final month Donald Trump was president. When you have government debasement schemes, I saw my old boss, Ted Cruz, say this morning, that he in his lifetime he's never seen in the span of less than two years one administration be this destructive and i retweeted that clip with this addendum and almost all of it was intentional almost all of it was intentional because that's that's what the demonic realm does the creator creates the demonic realm destroys so this is almost all intentional And so whenever these sorts of historically sinister, or shall I say, nefarious, government debasement schemes emerge as they have throughout the centuries, find out why a lot of smart people uh, take their productivity and prosperity and they protect it, insulate it by investing in tangible, valuable assets like gold and silver with their friends over at Boyan Max. Gold and silver can be an excellent hedge against government debasement schemes like our current inflation debasement scheme and right now they're offering you the silver starter kit at employee pricing they can't make it any more affordable than that 
You get the same price that their employees get and includes the Silver American Eagle coin and several others when you go to bullionmax.com slash Steve. Remember, this deal is so good that they limit it to just one per household. All right. So the Silver Starter Kit at Bullion Max for employee pricing when you go to bullionmax.com slash Steve now. And with that, let's get to it. Buy, seller, hold. Aaron, with a lot of help from his friends, you in the audience, presents to Todd and I a series of questions, predictions, prophecies, lists on various topics. Todd will decide, and as well as myself, are we buying that? Are we selling that? If for any reason other than, wow, how did that ever get on the air? We choose to hold. Then you will have to let Lindsey Graham hold you. And I mean, let's buy or sell. Like if you were testifying before the Denton City Council, brother, if you know what I'm saying. In a Chipotle bathroom? In the Chipotle bathroom with the manager, Gary. Yes. <laughs> let's get to it, Aaron. Go ahead. Let's begin with Tyler Schlosser, who says even the great pastors of this era are extremely soft on cultural government authority compared to the pastors between 1600 and 1776. We need more pastors to take the Charles Barkley approach. He called San Antonio women fat and has never apologized. Fear is crippling us. While I am not sure that is the best example, okay? <laughs> To, to bolster your case. I would rather pull things back from that level now. Yes, but, I, but I, 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 I'm, I'm picking up what you're laying down here, Tyler, and uh, wholeheartedly buy. Wholeheartedly buy. Yeah. Megan and, Basham wrote another column about how... Uh, over Daily Wire. Over Daily Wire, and, trying, and hopefully having her on the show next week about this kind of thing. It was like her round two of how the, the how many pastors and uh, Christian smarty pantses got on board with uh, COVID and, and instantly cast dispersions on anybody who would not uh, uh, dare get in line, in, including other experts. I mean, mm-hmm. they went out of their way to demonize... Mm-hmm. Uh, people like uh, Jay uh, Bhattacharya, do I have that correctly? Jay Bhattacharya, yeah. yep, at Stanford University. Yeah. 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 So can I elaborate on that point for a minute? Yeah, you should. And Because and, this is something I've talked about on this show for several years that, uh, that I think needs to be reset. One of the great challenges that I think the American church has comes, at, comes I believe, from an earnest place. There is a desire by the Gen X leadership that our generation that is taking over leadership positions in the church. I think that there is in general a desire to not be the next partisan clowns and mascots for a Republican party that doesn't typically deliver anyway. That guys that don't want to do what James, um, what James Dobson did when he <coughs> retired didn't retire, but that's what they called it from focus on the family. And he gave a talk, his going away talk and just ran down how they lost on virtually every issue, despite all of the partisan political engagement that they gave. Right. Okay. Um, a lot of these guys are like the Republicans wouldn't deliver for us even if we did that. So why would I compromise my witness for that? I don't disagree. I've been very affirming of that. Mm-hmm. In exchange for that, however, they have also bought into the dualopolistic paradigm, the binary paradigm. 
in general, should a Christian preacher buy into any worldly paradigm, whether it's binary, no. singular? I mean, in, in general, a Christian minister, part of his goal is the smashing of such shibboleths, the challenging of them, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the crushing of them. You know, uh, that, that's, we don't... Uh, Name anything that has ever happened good from the church when it has accepted uh, it, uh, its mission within the confines of a worldly paradigm. Go. And I'll wait. We've got 2,000 years of history. Certainly there must be one example of where the church flourished and people, cra- people came forward to praise their creator because the church confined itself within a worldly paradigm. Certainly there's one. Sooner or later, that unravels, yes. Yes, it never works. It's... Because the point, you represent a God, a message, a word, and an institution that exists outside of our concepts of space and time. It's transcendent. So you're here to crush those paradigms, to confront them, to challenge them, not conform to them. I often thought, you know, I'm surprised this wasn't ever in the Bible. Do not be conformed in your thoughts and patterns and behaviors to the ideas of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind because you're following the word of God instead. Are you kind of surprised that that wasn't ever, God left that out of the Bible? Oh, he didn't? Oh, okay. Should we do that then, do you think? Should we do that? We should. Yeah, we should do what's in there. So, What's happened is they have correctly deduced most of these Republicans ain't worth carrying water for, period. In exchange for that, however, they have bought into this paradigm notion of a paradigm that the evils of the two sides are either morally equivalent or situationally equivalent. And therefore will not directly confront the unto, un, well, I, would, I wouldn't even say unbiblical, anti-biblical things that the Democratic Party represents for fear of looking like a partisan agent. So they'll, they'll make it look like it's just similar things, like, our, like the similar frustration we have with Republicans not aggressively enough prosecuting the laws of nature and nature's God is, is the same morally and situationally as the Democrats who seek to undermine the laws of nature and nature's God and replace them with the doctrine of demons. Do you see what I'm saying? Of course. And they're not the same. Are they both bad? Yeah. Are they both variations of forms of evil? Sure. Sure. But is complacency the same? If, 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 if you saw a murder being committed by a serial killer and, and did not call the police would you be guilty of a crime there's, later on? There's two sins involved. Y- yes, yes, you would. But would you be? Would you go to the electric chair or lethal injection no, for it? No, because you didn't actually actively commit the crime. The murderer did, correct? Yes. But are you under some form of responsibility sure. if you are aware of it happening to mention it, confront it, report yes. it? Yes. So you are you you are you are guilty here by their collective failure to truly stand for and 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 advance and affirm and prosecute the laws of nature and nature's God. The Republicans are enablers of this evil. That's, un- that's inexcusable. With limited, exception- with limited exceptions, names we all know off the top of our head. But it is not the same. It isn't. It's doing the actual evil itself. It's not. Is it bad? It is bad. 
Correct? Yes. It is bad. Should it be held accountable and punished? Yes. Yes. Is it the same, though, as actively encouraging and doing the evil? Is it the same? No. It is not. No, it's not. And what's happening is a lot of your pastors are, and priests are pretending that it is. And when, I, and when I say, I'm talking about the group that actually still believes in the Bible, still believes in the laws of nature and nature's God. It's not the same. And I have warned for years that the church is disarming itself against the spirit of the age because it doesn't want to acknowledge that the spirit of the age has weaponized itself in a political party because it doesn't want to look like a bunch of partisan hacks. Now, this has never happened before in the history of the church. Yes, it has. It was called Germany in the 1930s, okay? But the church has always faced the weaponization of the demonic spirit of the age within the political realm. Names like Nero ring a bell. Saladin ring a bell. Because the, de because the demonic spirit of the age always... Make sure you remember this. Underline this in your Steve Day Show mental transcription. The spirit of the age, the demonic spirit of the age in any era and in any generation always manifests itself politically. Why? Because other than God, when we remove God, what becomes the most powerful force of will and power on this earth? Some form of government. Some form of government. So it always does. It always has. Always has. But here's the difference. While it is not new for the church to face a demonic construct within the political arena, here's what is new and never existed until modern Western civilization. The idea that it was um, part of a voluntary system in a duopoly, right? Like if you were a first century Christian, could you vote Nero out? No. Could you vote out Domitian? No. No. Could you vote out Hadrian, Titus? No. 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 You could not. Like, why didn't Polycarp just, like, vote against having to declare Caesar as Lord and, you know, not jump on a funeral pyre? Why didn't he just do that? Because uh, he could, couldn't do that. Do you see the point that I'm making here? Mm -hmm. This is a very important point. The lines were very clear in the past with the church. It is either Kaiser Curious or Christos Curious. The state is not God. What's different here is that we have a duopolistic political system. And so therefore, it's not as clear if you don't want it to be. Now, they're making it much clearer for us as we just discussed, but it's not as clear if you don't want it to be. Who's the one declaring Christos Curious and who's the one declaring Kaiser Curious here? You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, the lines are not as clearly drawn. And, and a lot of ministers are struggling with how to call out this evil without then being projected as an agent for the Republican Party by extension within its own audience. And so, guess then what they don't do? They just don't call out the evil. We just present, we present the gospel as if these evils are not going on.
We read, we read things about it would, whoever would cause one of these little ones to sin. It would be better for them to have the millstone thrown around their necks and cast out into the sea. A millstone, by the way, is like a 2,000-pound weight, equivalent to the rock that was rolled in front of the tomb of Christ. And they'll read these things, and they'll, they'll tell us the Bible says this, and they'll tell us what it means. But they won't apply it to what it means right now. They won't then say, and that's why. Those down the street at the public library doing this better repent or they'll have a millstone around their necks for all of eternity. And at the next local election, if you don't stand up against those that want to do this to your children, you're an enabler. You have violated your biblical command to be a watchman on the wall. You are an enabler of it. You must stop such evil when you are given the opportunity. See what I'm saying? They won't do that. And so the evil is presented as a generic entity, as a generic phenomenon, something we acknowledge, it's an amorphous blob, something we acknowledge exists, but we don't ever actually diagnose. Cancer is bad. What what is the good form of cancer? Todd, Aaron, anybody, go. What's the good form of cancer? There isn't one. There isn't one. But... They're all different forms of cancer, correct? Yeah. Should the oncologist treat every form of cancer correctly? Would you want them to? Well, hey, we just got the cancer playbook here. We just treat all the cancers the same. We don't want to look like we're pro one side of cancer and one form of cancer or the other. So we just treat them all the same. And we all know cancer is bad. Is that, how confident would you feel if that was the diagnosis and pro, of the treatment regimen you were given? But okay. that's what the church is yes. doing with evil. They will not say what is the form of evil we are up against or that you are assenting to. What is the form of it? Or it won't identify it if it's identified with a large political contingent in the country. It'll just drive around it. Dead bodies laying in the street. Dead babies laying in the street. Just drive around it because abortion's a hardcore political issue. So we just drive around those dead babies the whole time telling you that murder is bad. You literally just drove around a pile of dead babies. Did you maybe... You see see my point? That's what the church has done. And sooner or later, the church will be forced to confront that this demonic construct has weaponized itself politically as it has in every other era and generation in the history of humanity. Because even if the church will not affirmatively confront, we have reached the point of the conflict where it's now going to affirmatively affirmatively confront the church. Because it thinks it has the advantage now. So it's... And that was the end game all along anyway. You bet it was. That, now it's knocking on your door. The idea that it will... The idea you get to drive around those dead babies I just talked about, it's going to grab your babies right out of the library and soul murder them. To your face! That's where we are now. Thank you for letting me elaborate on that point. Any thoughts before we get out of here for this hour? That was that was a much needed. Hom- I mean, I, I had 30, 30 submissions that I selected. We got through one, but that was a much needed homily. And <laughs> just to be that. clear, who you're talking about as well? These are not these are not the vast majority of the American church that Eric Metaxas is talking about. That's just kind of part and parcel, uh, and or just kind of playing the game to play the game. Mm-hmm. These are actual. Bible believing ostensibly yes. churches. I'm talking like churches I just, go to that are just yeah. can't even. I agree. Yeah. 
There's I'm talking about churches that I go to or would be willing to go to. That's who I'm talking to. And you know, there's a five minute scene in your movie that sums up everything you just said. Yep. And it's yes, there breathtaking. Is. Yes, there is. All right, we'll come back. I will give briefer answers. No, you won't. <laughs> when we return. Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. You guessed what overtime's going to be about. It usually is on a Wednesday anyway, but especially after the 17-minute answer I gave on the very first <laughs> buy-seller-hold proposition. Uh, bonus buy-seller-hold coming your way uh, later today uh, for Blaze TV subscribers in the overtime at blazetv.com slash dace, which is also where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber for just $10 a month today. blazetv.com slash dace. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, uh, also uh, over on, uh, what is it, uh, Instagram and TikTok, at Steve Dace Show there as well. And then you can get clips of the show free to watch and free of any censorship when you head over to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show, rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. And remember, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. If you are a podcast listener right now, thank you. Uh, you're a big part of uh, why we are in the midst of uh, negotiating a contract extension right now. You guys are just have been great for our show and thank you very much. And uh, we'd ask you to maybe do one more thing. If you've yet to do this, leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. And you can also uh, hit subscribe or follow so that it automatically updates in your RSS feed on your device. Thanks to all of you that have done those things already. And we also want to remind you that if you have a question you'd like us to consider for a future Ask Me Anything, embed that question into your new five-star review, and it will go to the front of the line for consideration by Todd for our next AMA, which is coming up on Monday of next week. All right, part two of Buy, Seller, Hold, brought to you by our friends over at Tyga Coolers. It is football season. It is peak tailgate season. So still time for you to get a really cool cooler from our friends over at Tyga Coolers. All American made from a pro-American company. They're big fans of the Blaze. Uh, so they laugh at the same things you laugh at. They see that the same things you see. They're for and against what you're for and against. So you're not just getting a really phenomenal product, but also one that comes with a value system uh, that you share as well. You can get 10% off when you, uh, when you use the promo code Steve when you go to tigacoolers.com. That's 10% off when you use the promo code Steve at tigacoolers.com, T-A-I-G-A. And remember, they come with a lifetime warranty and they can customize it for you as well, provided it's not, you know, obscene or violates a copyright. You want to put your kid's picture on there, your own company logo on there. Uh, they can do that for you as well. Tigacoolers.com, promo code Steve. All right, Aaron, I promise I'll get through more of these quicker. Uh, no, that was great, the last answer. Uh, but we'll move on to D-Platform, the platform who says, my preseason Michigan 40-1 to ticket to win the national championship will pay out. So I have the same ticket. Um, it's a great bet because you were getting one of the clear five or six best teams in the country at 40-1. to But I will sell. Um, I think that given the level of team we have this year, 
And then I don't think Georgia is as good as it was last year. I don't think Alabama is as good as it was in 2020. Um, And so I think that the gap between those teams and Michigan is closer than it's ever been. This is more likely to pay off this year than any other, but they still have a road game in Columbus where they haven't won in 20 years. And it's just, you know, it's still far more likely. I mean, it's it's at least 80% that they won't. And at best, twenty percent that they will, and so I would sell. So, but but that's why you play team, you play numbers and not teams. Would I have bought Michigan at the beginning of the year for two to one? No, but I I have the I'm holding a, the same ticket. So, you know, last year, remember last year I thought Jim Harbaugh was getting fired and we were not going to be very good. I still bought Michigan eleven to one to win the Big Ten and took my family to Universal Studios on that. Okay. Did I do that because I thought Michigan was going to win the Big Ten all last season? Did I, off season, was I talking about, hey guys, we're coming back and winning the Big Ten? Did I do that all off season? You did not. No. But when you bet, you don't bet teams, bet numbers. I, I bet Michigan strictly because, hey, I might be wrong, and I'm getting at worst the third most talented team in the Big Ten at 11 to 1 odds. So play that, right? And so play numbers, not teams. It's a great bet. I just don't think it'll pay off. Correct. Next, we go to Rav Shaul, who says Donald Trump has not been a victim of anything for the last two years. He's suffering the consequences for a lifetime of an out-of-control ego that rejects humility and self-restraining. I, I, so, so I, I just I don't even know how you can posit that. And again, if you're new to our show, I, I hate to keep saying that, but I'm looking at the numbers. A lot of you keep being new to this show. Fair? Okay. Yeah. Does this show have a long and distinguished record of shilling for Trump based on his personal no. pet grievances? No. Does this show have um, shown in the past it even enjoys discussing those things, let alone shilling for him? No. No. So uh, I'm, I, I, do I think that the things you mentioned about Trump's ego make some of these things worse of and course. get in the way of him effectively defeating them? Yes. But there is... There, there, I don't just, I just don't see, unless you're in on the plot and you're so vested in the outcome of seeing orange man bad fulfilled that you can't see things objectively when he says there has never been more of an attempt to discredit or take down a presidency than his in American history. He is telling the truth about that. Moving on. Jacob Kwasney says might be a dude code violation, but here I go. He says collecting coins is cooler and more valuable than collecting player cards for any sport. Well, there wouldn't be a dude code violation to begin with, number one. But number two, I mean, if you think that, fine, I'll buy. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't have to take a stance on that one way or the other. You know, I'm, I'm okay with that if that's your thing. Cool. It may very well. Aaron, why was this one included? I'm curious. Because it's uh, we always need to get. I, I mean, it's an automatic. I need to dude code ruling. Oh, oh, oh so, well, so someone almost automatic. Someone is asking for uh, yeah. for for. In, in, what do you guys call them? Um, encyclicals? Is that what? Yes. Some, is sure. that okay. yeah. So all right. So that's why you did it. All right. So he's asking for an encyclical here. It's, it is not a dude code violation in either one of them in any way, shape, or form. So he's okay. Bye. Okay, very very quickly. Can can we go down the rabbit hole here real quick? Of course. Unless it is overtly No, we don't we don't ever take unless, rabbit holes on the Steve Day show. Yes. Unless it is overtly feminine is Correct. wondering if something is a violation of the dude code like a, a hobby like this. Yes. Is wondering that a violation of the dude code? That's a good not, question. Not being, being that insecure exactly. in your dudeness, that I'll buy. Yeah, I'll buy on that one. Sorry, yeah. Jacob. 
Sorry. <laughs> it was, was throwing Jacob under the bus yeah. and upholding of the dude code. Yes. Absolutely, Jacob. And therefore, we are not sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. No, I've. <laughs> yeah, you can't. This is where I was going to going. I, I was selling because you can't kind of back into that thing and say, forgive me for asking, and then say, but it's definitely cooler that coins are yes. over. No, that's yeah. too much hedging. BF says, thanks to adverse side effects of the vaccine, the enforcement by educational institutions to take the vaccine and the degree of uptake of the vaccine for children by parents, we will experience at least seven to ten years of subpar draft classes in sports that use the draft system. You mean because of a lack of a dearth of talent overall? One of our local in-state stars here, Austin Fife. Yeah. Sideline for the season, maybe his career is over because of long COVID symptoms, including blood clots in the lungs and legs. Yeah, I'm buying. It's on the table. I, I'm gonna buy then too that it's on the table. Yeah, I, I basketball. I, I have a theory that I'll just say quickly because I promised Aaron we'd get through these quicker. My theory is that a lot of athletes in 2021. When, the, when these mandates were at their zenith, that a lot of them just took the one-shot low-efficacy J&J just to kind of get it done and out of the way and not repeated boosters, where we are seeing the vast majority of dis, and, and disproportionate amount of adverse effects, all right? Because you're just playing Russian roulette, right? Mm-hmm. Every time I spin that, revolt, that chamber and point the gun at my head just increases the odds that eventually there will be a bullet in there, right? Mm-hmm. So I got, I got out of it once and I took the lowest efficacy jab of them all in just one shot. I did it so I could play and, and go to school and I'm just moving on, okay? And I, I have a, I, my hypothesis is that I believe a lot of these athletes that did this last year, that that's what they elected to do and are not going through with the endless, you know, menu of boosters from Moderna and Pfizer. And that's why I hesitated on the question, because I think that's what happened. OK, but the data will eventually bear itself out. And it's possible that that could what you are talking about could occur. And I hope it's wrong, but I could I could buy it. Next up, we go to Luke Zedgwick, who says tech companies will start editing the Bible apps as paper Bibles fade away. I could see this yes. being attempted for sure. Yeah. I could see something like this being attempted. That's the end game. The church. Yeah. yeah. So bye. Yeah. Next, Elliot Evans says Matt Walsh's ability to trigger people over the most trivial topics like <laughs> anime, emojis, etc. is one of the best features of Twitter. Uh, I used to, this used to drive me nuts. Now it's actually illustrative of a larger point. The people just can't even with correct stupid stuff. I completely agree I, with this. Um, and there is something very dude code affirming about just needlessly taking strident positions about something that in the end probably isn't existential in nature, but just using them to, to you know, as a cudgel just to make larger generic points about people and human nature in general that I... You know, I, I kind of like read on that 70s show. I kind of find it endearing, that level of crankiness, you know, a little Gran Torino aspect of it. So I'll buy it. Yeah. I'll sell because there's one aspect of that that he hasn't done in a while. And I don't want to speak it into existence, but one of these things is around dogs. And it's just. What's his thing with dogs? Hates him. Hates dogs? Yeah. 
That's a dude code violation. You don't have to love dogs. You don't have to own a dog, but you can't hate dogs. See, I would tend to agree with that, but the willingness to just put that out there in the ether and say, come at me, I don't know. There's something dude code about that too, right? Well, in a lot of ways, but there's certain categories that are off limits. Okay. All right. I don't really want to probe that too much more with, with Todd right now. I, I feel like he, he will fight you. I had I no idea that me. I had no idea that Matt did not like dogs. Yeah, yeah, I did not know. either. Yeah. Uh, Modern Pilgrim says the right is searching for a leader, not Trump. If they don't find one soon, another Franco will arise. Well, this is kind of what Jesse Kelly is alluding to. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I saw Tucker Carlson say in an interview yesterday uh, was the interview with, I think it was with Pierce Morgan, um, when he talked about the fact I'm actually not a populist. All societies must have a hierarchy. It's just our elites are dumb and corrupt, and they make decisions. What did he say? They make decisions without any care at all about the people below them. That's what I'm against. And... In that, in that same exchange, he made the point that, that's true historically, that populist revolts usually end up in some form of tyranny or dictatorship. And that's the lesson of the French. We, how many times have we pointed out mm-hmm. over the last couple of years? That's the lesson of the French Revolution. That's, that's, that's the difference between Storm the Bastille and Vaux Populi and... Our rights come from God, and we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain and inalienable rights, right? That's the difference between those two. So, invariably, and I made, one of the things I said to Ted Cruz on the campaign was, we were at the part of the spaghetti western, where it's obvious that the, the local sheriff who's kind of the Gary Cooper, upstanding, morally upright citizen caricature, either is bought off or is too, or doesn't have the balls to do what must be done against the banditos overrunning the town. And that is now when we get rid of the soaring musical score of the black and white Western and the heroic, you know, altruistic hero that the Gary Coopers of the world played back in the day. And we fire up, we fire up the spaghetti western because the people are so desperate for any form of retribution against evil that even though they know the guy walking in with the cheap cigar out of his mouth, all right, on a white horse, the pale rider, even though they know there's going to be some collateral damage. Their shops are going to get shot out. Their storefronts are going to have windows blown through them, right? Okay. They know that when they're hiding underground, when the shooting stops, it's going to be a collateral damage. They, in, in, in any other situation, they would not accept, but the banditos have to be taken out. And they have confidence that when the shooting stops, by hook or by crook, Clint Eastwood's petty, pale rider there, all the banditos will be dead. And then they've made the moral calculation, I can dig out from the collateral damage. I can't stop the banditos on my own. And I said to Ted, the guy who wins this race, looking at this environment, will be the candidate that best exemplifies not Gary Cooper, but Clint Eastwood in the Spaghetti Western, because that's where the mood of the people are. 
And right now, that's Trump. And in the end, that was him the entire time. And that's why people didn't care about mean tweets or destructive comments and the kinds of things that would have caused people to grab their pearls in the past, even that we're going to vote for him, didn't care. This has to end. Make this evil stop. Hold these people accountable. Drain the swamp. Get it, go, get it out of here. We'll take the collateral damage. I'll take not being liked at the tennis club. I'll take being looked at differently within in the church foyer. I'll take um, Aunt Petunia, you know, um, you know, uh, hoisting uh, her, her wearing a pussy hat to Thanksgiving. OK, in protest. Okay, I'll, I'll take it all because this isn't sustainable. And so I tried Bush. I tried Romney. I tried McCain. The, the guy with that. You would have thought the guy that spent five years in the Hanoi Hilton would have the balls to do something about this. Turns out he was in on the plot. Right. OK. So let me go get the pale writer. And Trump cast himself as that more successfully than we did. And that more than any other reason is why he beat us. And that is what ends up happening when the populist revolt realizes that it's going to have to get its own champion. You can't have an you can't have the mob against the structure. You have to have a counter structure. And history shows that two sorts of figures emerge out of such movements. For every time a Gandhi emerges, there's 50 Francos that emerge instead, right? That's what this is hinting at. And that's what that's what our buddy Jesse Kelly has been talking about. Yes. When he says stuff like, oh, you thought Trump was bad and offensive. Wait till you see where the right will turn next if the Republicans don't do anything about this. And he's right about that. So yes, I'll he buy. is. Yep. Next, Austin says Super Bowl proje- uh, projection. Eagles versus the Bills. I've got a Super Bowl ticket on both those teams. Um, I bought, recommended it back in August. So I could buy that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty safe pick. It's right safe now. now. Yeah. Yeah, but it, would it have been safe on Labor Day? No, but he's, he made it now. Yeah. That's so why I, I got a, I picked Ravens Cowboys. So I got to ride or die. Next, Andrew Culture War Draftee says Nefarious will have an opening weekend exceeding $4.5 million, making it both a profitable, profitable movie and outperforming bros. <laughs> I love that. First of all, I don't know if it will be at the box office, if it will be an exclusive stream. I don't know the answer to that yet. Okay. But, um, buy that last, but I'm going to buy because time. I would love nothing more yes. than for Nefarious to out, if to out typing, bros. Typing the tweet and... Uh, and copying, CCing, uh, whatever the name yes. of the producer is on that. Chef's kiss. That, it, 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 is that a moment where I just maybe walk away? Like, what else could I accomplish in a career that would be that would out pinnacle something like that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, what else would happen? I don't know. I'm riding your coattails, so I want this. Okay. Don't you? You're not going to. I mean, is away. that where I got to be, Tom Brady, and just say, "Dude, you had your seven Super Bowls." You know, go home to your wife and kids. No. Okay. You don't think that's Somebody it? needed to tell yeah. him that. Okay. Apparently. Right. Yes. Okay. Uh, but no, that's not the moment. Uh, Caleb Hammer says, with basketball season soon upon us, Mount Rushmore, Big Ten hoops jerseys, Indiana home white on whites. Does that deserve to be on the Mount Rushmore? No. Indiana home white on whites? Are we, repeat the thing. I want to make sure. We're so with football, basketball, right? no, no, basketball. No, no, basketball. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm in football. Big 10 still. hoops, Mount Rushmore okay. jerseys. Then yes, I'm, I'm there. That's yes. If nothing else, because of the, the tradition of the program that they represent, right? Like Penn state's white on whites. So in football. So yeah, I'll buy that. Uh, Illinois orange on orange. Oh, sorry, Todd, uh, Indiana white on white. 
I was going to sell on Indiana. All that is is tradition. I don't. It's not. There's nothing particularly grand about those uniforms. Okay. I- Illinois orange on orange. No, no. I'll sell on that. I don't get the same sort of v- no vibe no. I get when you give me the in, the Indiana uniforms. Iowa script goals. I do love those a lot. I like those quite a bit. Yeah, I'll buy as that. As much as I hate to admit it. Yeah, that's yeah. a nice look. Michigan Golds. The Fab Five, Maze on Maze. You know, you guys, I, I mean. Or Maze on Maze, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I love those. So I'm going to buy on that too. I love what Michigan did last year where they took their old uniforms from the 80s that were so cool with the, the Block M and then Michigan, you know, the Glenn Rice era. They took those and made those. They combined that era with the Fab Five, Maze on Maze, to use the 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 branding from the 80s with the maze uni- uniforms of the of the 90s man that was that was a nice in, in our backyard here i don't know if you've seen this but drake university their basketball program has a new script uniform they've rolled out the last year or two and man that might be one of the best hmm. best uniforms in the country are we missing something yeah obvious in I the big feel 10 like we are it feels like we are like something obvious not nebraska I, Michigan State's got like 20 uniforms. Yeah. So even though it's been the best program in our conference for the last the neon, 20 years, which of they're like the, the Oregon, neon, which of their 20 uniforms yeah, is neon, special? If, if, as soon as you roll out neon anything with uniforms, it disqualifies all your other I uniforms. I tend to agree with that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Sorry. Yeah, it feels like we're missing something obvious, but I can't really Maryland think of what it is. is. ugly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe we're not. Uh, Next one. We didn't do this last week, uh, but he or she submitted this last week, and uh, my wife and I went through this. Fetigator has top 10 Gen X experiences that most millennials and Gen Z won't understand. Okay. I don't get the last one at all, so maybe you guys can can tell me, but we'll start with number 10. Be kind, please rewind. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I remember that, too. You remember VCRs? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right, but I think that's a good one. I'll buy, yeah. Uh, number nine, the official sports drink was drinking from our water from a hose. Hey, I preach on that. Yes. I, every yes. single practice yep. uh, in high school, I remember that as well. Okay. Football practice. Number eight, finding the perfect connection between the rabbit ears and aluminum foil. You bet. Yes. Yeah, and, some, and there was always one kid in one family whose job it was to stand there sometimes, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. I was aware of what it was, but we lived out in, in rural Iowa, so that wasn't really an option. Uh, number seven, Columbia House Record Club. Yes. I mean, I could probably be prosecuted for how many of their <laughs> CDs and records I stole from them when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, number six, please deposit 20 cents for the next three <laughs> yeah, minutes. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I think I know that one. Yep. That's, uh, collect calls. Call, collect, yep. Oh, okay. Collect calls. Uh, number five, blowing into a Nintendo oh, yeah. cartridge. Oh, oh, I know yeah. that as well. Uncle Stephen and Nancy yep. had a Nintendo. Yeah. Did you ever guys, when you guys played the Nintendo track and field, did you guys ever get out the spoons for the mm. sprinting events to hit the button harder with the spoons? No. Yeah, we did that. That's how mm. competitive it got, man. We took the spoons to go faster. Yeah. Uh, number four, don't pick up the phone. I have to, have to use the internet. Excuse me. Nice. I don't remember the line, but I certainly remember the sentiment. Yeah. 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 Uh, number three, watching TV at 1 a.m. when the national anthem begins to play with an Indian and a bald eagle on the screen. <laughs> See, my wife yeah. remembers this. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I mean, I, that kind of starts. Me, that yeah. kind of stopped as we were getting, you know, into our teenage years. When when I was little, yeah, that was still going on. Yeah. Or you'd get up to watch the Super Friends at 6 a.m. and that's the test pattern would still be on. Yes. Right. Yeah. Number two, Daddy's belt. Well, yeah, well ain't that the truth? Yeah. yeah. That should be. Yeah. Number one, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and number one, sit, ubu, sit, good dog. Good dog. Yeah, that was, uh, there was a lot of TV shows that were made by the company 
Yeah. That that was kind of what, at the their end credits. That the show was kind was of their tagline. Yeah. It was very so, quick. I do and remember. My dog that one. barked. Yeah. Weird. All right. Remember our friends over at Preborn. Uh, they came on board the show just about uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and one of the things I love about what they do in a post, I'm going to speak at the National Lutherans for Life conference on Saturday. And one of the things I'm going to say to them is post Roe v. Wade, we are actually fighting and debating abortion now. We're not fighting and debating Roe v. Wade. We're actually fighting and debating abortion. It's hand to hand combat now. Um, we're not just talking about sweeping judicial precedents, but it's now mother to mother, kid to kid. And they've been doing that for years. They take to the streets. Uh, their numbers show that women are overwhelmingly more likely uh, to let their baby live uh, if they are confronted with the fact that that's a lie being they're carrying. In fact, they've counseled over 450,000 women away from getting an abortion. And then they do this too. Aftercare. All right. Whether it's uh, car seats, diapers, baby clothes, uh, maternity care, they do aftercare for the moms and their babies when they decide to choose life as well. And they do it all free of charge. But to make that happen, they need support from people like us. So if you want to help them continue to save more moms and their babies, uh, you can donate by dialing pound 250, pound 250 and say the keyword baby when you dial pound 250 or just go online to preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve. Moving on, Colton says, Hugh Freeze will never coach again at a Power 5 program despite having beaten Saban twice and coaching Liberty to four consecutive bowl games. He'll never recover from the scandal at Ole Miss. Oh, I'll sell on that. Wouldn't surprise me he was coaching at a Power 5 school next year. Agreed. I'll sell. Next, we have a top 10 list. This is from Sar Scream, who says, top 10 foreign accents. Number 10, Italian. I kind of feel like this is a violation of the dude code. But, okay. We just talked about outfits in basketball for five minutes, so. True, true. All right, so I guess I'll buy. Okay. Number nine, Indian. Like, soul back and bold. Yeah. Soul back and bold. Like, uh-huh. is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That India. Yeah, I think so. it's got to yeah. be okay. in there. Okay, all right, bye. Number eight, Russian. Got to be in there. Like Chekhov, Russian? Okay. Number seven, Spanish. Okay. Mm. I mean, I, I must confess, I've yeah, not I considered my accent power ratings before. But uh, okay. this, is, this is a good opportunity for you to do so. Indeed. We all need that moment of reflection in no. our lives. <laughs> Number six, British, um, Queen's English Oh, style. it's got to be higher than that. Not the dirty, uh, uh, not the dirty. It's got to be higher than that. Yeah. I mean, I love a good British accent on a woman. It's got to be higher than that. I love that accent. Got to be higher than that. Uh, Number five, Jamaican. Yes. Like Jamaican, Mon? Yeah. Okay. Number four, Australian. That's not a knife. That's a knife. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. I've seen that Australia has turned out to be such a bunch of pansies. Potsers that, yeah, yeah, it's way too high. Yeah, it's way too high. So. Uh, Number three, uh, Irish. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Number two, British Cockney. I don't know the difference. I would have Queen's English higher than So would I. So would I. You got to reverse those those. at the very least. And number one, Scottish. Yeah, I could go with that. Yeah. That's on there. Uh, One that is underrated is South African, a South African accent. Agreed. Isn't it a lot like an Australian accent, though? Nope. 
No, it's okay. very, very distinct. All right. uh, Dacey and memes for unvaccinated fiends says conservatives should invest in building a literal helms deep in the side of a mountain to retreat to in case the whole bolstering red states thing doesn't work out. I'm going to I'm going to sell because of the whole bolstering red states thing doesn't work out. The whole Helm's Deep thing might not work out. Yeah, the whole Helm's Deep thing ain't happening either. (laughs) So I'm going to sell. You might want to invest more. If the bolstering red state thing doesn't work out, um, you you might want to invest more in Gettysburg than a Helm's Deep. Yeah, they're not different things. The red state is your Helm's Deep. That's a good point, too. Yeah. Next up, Robert Hansen says, Mount Rushmore of movie character theme songs. Indiana Jones. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Superman. The, the greatest theme song of all time. Yes. And James Bond. That's a great yeah. list. Yep. Yeah. Do we not consider the Imperial March Darth Vader's theme, or is it just in general the theme of the Empire? Huh. See what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's well, not called it's not, Darth Vader's uh, theme. Yeah. So Indiana okay. Jones, these are all linked to okay. actual characters, okay. right. right? So, but, I mean, that's a great list. Yep. Uh, and I could listen to those four tracks like all day long, really. Yeah. Moving on to What Bandit, who says, the addition of the COVID-19 jab to the childhood jab schedules will be the bridge too far for Big Pharma. No, not automatically, no. Bridge too far meaning what? And then what? Right? Bridge too far, so blank. What do you, I think we, I have to sell because I need to know what the answer to that question is to know why a bridge too far is relevant. I just think they think this automatically is going to be uh, amongst the people going to say absolutely not over my dead body. I, I don't, I, I won't, I'll believe that when I see that. There have not been any consequences yet, and then there should have been a long time ago. I agree with you, but you cannot f- ignore 95% of Americans, regardless of age, did not get this last round of boosters. You can't ignore that either. Yeah, and but they were allowed the choice. This is up in the ante on that. True, true. We'll come back. Uh, the Weekly Prophet of Woe and Lamentation will join us when we do. Stay tuned. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. We'll get to the weekly profit of woe and lamentation in a moment. But first, a word from our friends over at Jace Medical. Kind of look at them as the My Patriot supply of medications. I mean, we just went through a scandemic where they took Nobel Prize winning drugs, uh, FDA approved drugs that have been uh, uh, on the market over the counter for decades and suddenly tried to stop you from getting access to them because they might actually help you so that you wouldn't be reliant on their depopulation scheme, which was to kill you. And then their second depopulation scheme, which was to inject you with their poison. All right. Uh, So uh, who knows what the next household name drug they may do that too that we need access to and that's where jace medical comes in whether it's uh, amoxicillin doxycycline who knows which will be the next one that'll have to be discredited when they release their next contagion make sure your family is ready and prepared 
Uh, when you go to Jace Medical, J as in Jeff, JaceMedical.com, JaceMedical.com. Fill out the online questionnaire. A physician there will evaluate your needs. And then the medication will be dispensed by their licensed uh, pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost to make sure your family's prepared for the next scamdemic that comes down the pike. JaceMedical.com. Again, J as in Jeff, J-A-S-E. J-A-S-E for jacemedical.com. Let's welcome in the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, our good friend Daniel Horowitz. How are you, brother? We're doing all right, Steve. Do you feel the wave? In fact, ready. that's what I want to talk to you about. There will be the plenty of stampede. There will be there will be plenty of opportunities next year when this is culminated to discuss our disgust and disappointment by the result thereof. Let's try to set that aside because Let's not serve any wine before it's time. You and I are going to be doing those shows regularly in 2023. No point doing them already. All right. Let's analyze it strictly from um, an analytical perspective. Uh, I think the red, the so-called red wave, or as you put it, the rhino stampede. I liked it. Uh, I think that's the, the floor here. That's guaranteed. I think what we are looking at is a is a is a far more existential event for three reasons. Number one, Trump's rural MAGA base, which is much more Trump than GOP, is staying with the GOP even without him on the ballot. We have seen that in Iowa where there were about 30 counties that Trump flipped from red to, uh, from blue to red that took us from a, that voted for Obama once or twice. So we went from a lean red to a solidly red state as a result. I think that base has stayed within the GOP. Number two, I think you're looking at uh, the potential for record low turnout among blacks, looking at a lot of the data that I have seen. And then number three, I think you're looking at the potential based on a lot of data I've seen of a record migration of Hispanics to the Republican Party. And I think those three events take us from um, Carrie Lake, can she win to she wins by five to suddenly now Minnesota and Scott Jensen is a battleground state. Colorado is a battleground state. I think we are looking at that kind of environment here. Your thoughts? So, Steve, I think it's important to recognize that those factors that you identified would have been wave makers in 1994, Mm -hmm. Um, because back then you didn't have as much of this inveterate, entrenched uh, polarization within the electorate where you have substantial portions that tend to be unmovable. So I think relative to where we are today, you're going to see a big win. But the one thing you do have to realize is, whereas in 94, you know, if you had a wave in and it worked all the way around with Watergate against Republicans, if you have a really bad year for one side, you could start losing in places that are unimaginable and it's across the board. That's how I used to define a wave. As of now, I am not seeing the Democrats losing blue states. Um, people talk about this one district in Rhode Island that that they could lose a, a congressional seat. But for the most part, I'm not seeing that. And and I think the reason is several fold. Number one, when it comes to the, um, shall we say, election infrastructure, mm-hmm. that infrastructure that was built up from COVID uh, as culminating from 10 years worth of election month and election season, both before and after election day, that is not gone in those states. Correct. Those states that you would need to get away. So, like Lee Zeldin in New York, for example. Until I, I see a very a, hard time. Yes. Until I that. see a poll that he's ahead by three or four points, I won't believe that he can win. Because if it's if the current polling that has him within striking distance is accurate, that is well within the margin for cheating. They'll just steal it. 
Yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, I just want to so, make sure so that we're very, that our audience understands exactly what we're talking about. Right. Yes. I think Tudor Dixon in Michigan is another one of these. I don't think that she can be within the margin for error. I think she's got to be up by two or three points. Otherwise, Washtenaw County and uh, and, um, and and those areas will just steal it. Um, so that's that's true. And the other factor is also, despite the fact that they've made so many gains, on other constituencies, they have traded a lot of college-educated white women, and they are turning out to be a stubborn constituency. You would think with everything going on, um, they would be abandoning the incumbent party, which typically happened if you would have a party, and we never did, that had such existential crises uh, that affected our lives, our, our economy, our liberties on their watch, everyone would, would drift from, from them. And, and by the way, unlike in 2010 and 1994, where at least the base of the incumbent party had a pretty popular figure that they would rally behind Bill Clinton, Barack Obama. I mean, here we have a dead carcass. There quite mm -hmm. literally is no narrative. There's mm -hmm. no one to vote for. There's certainly no one really exciting coming up in their ranks uh, running as governor or senator or something like that. But nonetheless, you do see a pretty stubborn constituency. Again, it's not enough for the Democrats to avoid a loss. But part of the calculus that I see Democrats not fearing the election, um, A, I don't think elections matter, as you well know. And part of why they don't matter is not just because the Republicans are their default uh, uh, stolen election safety valve because they – uh, promote their policies where Democrats themselves couldn't advance them, but also because of the fact that, look, when it comes to where we're headed, it's not like Democrats are going to wake up November 10th and be with 20 Senate seats. You know what I mean? It's just mathematically between the seats that are up, between the solid blue state ones, it's not naturally a good map for the GOP. Uh, next year, next cycle will be. They do have a certain floor. I don't see the blue firewall cracking, Steve. I don't see that. So we're going to define a wave as right, that. Let's define that for a second. Do you consider Colorado to be a blue firewall? Now let's, in fact, let's do this. The states that were exchanged with Trump didn't grow a coalition. He 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 transferred it. All right. So yeah. Republicans traded rurals for suburbs basically was the trade. OK. And so Michigan, Pennsylvania, um, Wisconsin became more achievable. But in exchange for Arizona, North Carolina and Colorado, Colorado had been a longtime lean R state, but a Democrat that was a good one could win there to now a lean blue. Arizona went from a traditional Republican state to a swing. North Carolina went from a traditional Republican state to a swing. Virginia went from a swing state to lean blue. Right. OK. So we already saw Youngkin win in Virginia. Do you consider Colorado, Arizona, North Carolina to be part of the blue wall? I don't. And I think I, don't. I think they're going to lose all those states or or lose two of them. I, I'm not sure yet I, about Colorado. I don't. OK, I don't. Right. To me, so blue wall oh to you gosh, is California. OK. Yeah. So what about what about Oregon? See, I think that they could lose the governorship in Oregon. I do think that's possible for whatever good she is, that True. Republican. But I, I think it's possible. Um, let me say this. Governorships have traditionally not fallen along the lines of partisan divide as much. So that's always more possible. I don't th I don't see us uh, actualizing that at a senatorial level. Um, so I don't see them really making inroads in blue states. And then I'm also perturbed by the fact that 
I mean, despite everything we're going through, even incumbents in swing states, Ron Johnson, okay, I have a hard time seeing how he doesn't win, but I just don't like the margin. And Michigan, Michigan, I don't like the margin. Um, Pennsylvania. Now, a lot of that has to do with uh, the quality of the candidate. But my gosh, when you literally have a guy that can't string two words together and is neurologically damaged running for the office of Senate in Pennsylvania, how is it that every poll still has Oz behind? Um, I don't know, Steve. I, I mean, I just I don't see a wave. I see a traditional midterm win for the party that's not holding the White House, plus some interest, maybe. But given that this is the Jimmy Carter era times 10, mm -hmm. it's a little bit shocking. And what I'm telling you is some of it has to do with the fact that uh, we have more polarization than we had in 94. Um, some of it has to do with election season instead of election day. Some of it, ha some of it has to do with pathetic candidates. Um, I don't know. I mean, unless I'm totally missing something. And Steve, I'm going with Trafalgar's polling. Okay, I'm assuming that that's gospel, mm -hmm. that everything else doesn't matter. I'm starting with Robert Cahaley's polling, um, you know, which typically Republicans like to tout. If you look at that, to me, that doesn't define a wave when the other side is in the White House. We'll do this again in a couple of weeks, but let me get your take on this now. I'm going to put the over under on House gains by Republicans in three and a half weeks at a gain of 25 seats, which would be higher if they had not gained 14 in the last election. I think that's something you alluded to, that there is they, they, the margins are much closer than they were in 2010 and especially in 1994. OK, so they already they'd already picked up 14 seats in the 2020 election. So I'm going to say that the that the floor of what the Republicans will gain will be 25 seats in the House. Are you going over or under that right now? Over because of uh, redistricting and because historically they do better in the House. Um, a lot of these factors that have just made Democrats entrenched for whatever reason statewide don't apply to House districts. So that's easy. It's, it's easily, easily going to be more than that. And I, I could picture 40. Yeah, I think I 40. think I think it's possible. I think it is very possible there will be fewer than 200 Democrats in the House when, when this is done. For sure. OK, the Senate. I'm going to say the worst Republican. They're at 50 right now. So it's 50, 49 and independent and Kamala Harris breaks the tie. OK, I, I'm going to say that the minimum, the floor is 52. Are you taking the over or the under? So if that includes 52 itself, um, then I'll yeah, I mean, I'll take the over. You can take a push. You want to take a, You think you think the number's 54. 52? I don't necessarily. In other words, I I could envision them winning. Hmm. 35 House seats, but only getting 52 Senate seats. I could definitely see an outcome like that. Explain to our audience why it actually might be to their benefit. If there were only 52 Republican senators as opposed to 54 or 55. Well, look, politics is an art. It's not a math. And sometimes uh, you go backwards. Um, the reality is that the only hope and I'm not saying there's much hope there. The only hope of accomplishing anything is to get a gun proverbially to Kevin McCarthy's head and make it clear you will fight on the budget bills. That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. The must pass legislation. You have to make it as a House versus Senate dynamic. If it's clear that Republicans 
so to speak, control the Senate lock, stock and barrel. That's going to be very difficult because McCarthy will use McConnell as a good cop, bad cop dynamic, a duo where McConnell will cleanly do his dirty work and, and McCarthy will say, look, you know, this is why we need to win in 2024. You know, we need more seats. It's not good enough. I think if it's Chris, I actually think in general it would be better theoretically if they wouldn't even officially take the Senate. Um, because anyway, in order to affirmatively pass through the front door, good things, you need 60 conservatives, which we don't never going to get 60 Republicans, certainly not 60 conservatives. So it's a matter of the House saying this is our budget. We're defunding the FBI, the catch and release of the border, mm -hmm. Pfizer, whatever the mandates. Take it or leave it. This is our final budget bill and we're not going to pass another one. It's a lot easier to do that against a Chuck Schumer Senate than a Mitch McConnell one. If you could trade Carrie Lake in Arizona for Republicans taking the Senate, would you do it? Wow, Steve, that's a good one. This this is what separates the men from the boys in politics. <laughs> Everyone would say, oh, my gosh, the Senate's everything. Midterms are all about Congress, my answer right? would be yes. By the way, I would make that. Um, trade. I would I would easily I would. I would trade that. I would trade Doug Mastriano. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, as you just as I just noted, I actually think it's strategically better for them not to have a fake control of the Senate. But even if you play that numbers game and you believe there's utility to that, um, I don't believe it uh, it is worth it because I think even with with a good roster in the Senate, a good majority leader, there's a very low ceiling as to what you could accomplish at a federal level. Right. Whereas you see with one DeSantis, uh, if you have two or three, mm -hmm. you could do so much more. And by the way, Arizona is strategically at the border and that could single-handedly affect a very big issue. Um, Carrie Lake is where it's at. And that's why Steve, for me, it's all about quality, not quantity. It's about which ones are going to win, not the numbers. Good stuff, my friend. Thanks for joining us as always. Take care. God bless. Good to see you. Same to you. Our friends over at Eden Pure have the best-selling Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier. Uh, it helps to cleanse the air in your home or your office of viruses, odors, mold, so much more. Uh, it's why they've sold over a quarter of a million of these already. And they work tremendously. They are filterless, so you're not going to be swapping out filters out of your own pocket after you uh, purchase these units. I've gotten so many good notes about their effectiveness from uh, so many of you. If you want to be the next to see if it might be good for your home or office, they come in packs of three and you can get the three pack right now for under 200 bucks and free shipping the three pack for under 200 bucks and free shipping when you go to edenpuredeals.com that's edenpuredeals.com and use the promo code steve3 for the three pack promo code steve3 you get all three units in the three pack and free shipping uh, for under 200 bucks edenpuredeals.com promo code steve3 gentlemen any final thoughts well, my final thought is a question. What he was very much kind of saying, whoa, Nelly there on the red tsunami. I mean, you were letting him, you know, finish his thoughts, get mm -hmm. his opinion, you respect his opinion, but what do you think? Well, when I asked him about specific races and places, though, many of his takes were very similar to mine. Mm -hmm. I might be a little bit more optimistic on Pennsylvania than he is, but. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, we agree on, you know, Lee Zeldin. We, I don't think that's winnable at the current pace.
pace. Uh, I think he has to be, he has to go into election day with a lead. I mean, if it's within the margin for error, they'll just steal it there. I think Tudor Dixon has to go into election day with a lead. If it's within the margin for error, they will just steal it there, you know, but he agreed with me that he thought Colorado, Arizona, North Carolina were definitely flippable in play. So I don't think we were that much off, actually. Well, Tudor Dixon has confirmed her appearance tomorrow, so we'll see what we can do about that lead. Good. I mean, there's no question she has narrowed that race. The question is how much more can she narrow it in the next three and a half weeks? All right, we're going to stick around and do bonus buy, seller hold for subscribers over on the overtime. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.